Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of Amo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Amo. Now, do you know what? There's been so much going on since Friday, since the last time we all met together and spent time on this podcast. There has been so much going on. Now, obviously, games are coming thick and fast, as we know. Champions League got introduced this week. Plenty of stuff happening. But with the last thing that we spoke about on our podcast last week, Amo, was the derby. And we knew it was going to be tight. We knew it was going to be a, a good game. We knew Everton were going to give us a good run. Did we think that it was going to be as globally controversial as what it has been? Um, normally, obviously, we say about what we've been up to this week. But I get the feeling from seeing your social media this week that there's probably not going to be enough time to talk about anything else other than this derby. So I want to jump in and just get your initial thoughts and feelings on, on what, you're, what you think about it. Well, first and foremost, I mean, whether my opinions matter to anyone listening to this or not, this is why we're all football fans, because we all love the beautiful game. We all love great goals. We all love tactics. You know, you could even argue um, we all have a second team and we're all like the underdogs and we're all big football fans at the end of the day. And we love discussing this type of thing, right? Yeah. So first of all, it's it, obviously it's, it's a game of the weekend. Everyone kept talking about it um, for the, all the wrong reasons. Um where do I start, Danny? I mean, can I say that like I'm glad to live in Ireland because if if I seen Jordan Pifford, you know, I don't know what I'd be doing. That's the <laughs> truth. Do you know? Um, I, I don't know. I, what what can I say without you having to edit this for like the next three weeks? But <laughs> I could throw all the swear words out there. My initial thoughts are, Danny, are very simple. Um, we were robbed, robbed. Not even like wasn't even one though there was nothing debatable in the two big decisions of the game that changed the game. Mm. Um without those two decisions, we deserved to win it. Um we had the better chances. Um played, I think, brilliant. Um now that's not to take anything away from Everton, because Everton had a game plan. They stuck to it well. They scored two good goals themselves. I, I don't want to start having like a starting like a, a hate hate I hate Everton because I've said it for a long time in my second team, but I mean, let's let's start at the biggest talking point of the game, okay? Never in a million years is that offside. Never in a million years. Um, let me kind of gather my thoughts while, while I ask you your thoughts first because I just don't know what to say. I'm I'm, I'm genuinely angry. It's been like a week and I, I'm just... How on earth can you give that offside, Danny? Like, come on. I know you're a defender and you always look think of the defender's point of view, but come on. What, what, what's your thoughts on it? That's the thing. And as you said, like, yes, I generally look at things more from a defender's point of view, but I have honestly looked at angle after angle and picture after picture that's come up. I cannot see an offside. Like, it is in line. 
And I think Gary Lineker summed it up on Match of the Day on Saturday, and I think he summed it up perfectly, that he said, we've forgotten in the game that in line is onside. It's automatically now, if you are in line and your furthest point is touching the other person's furthest point, then they just class it as offside now. And it's ridiculous. Like the sort of like if there's not space between the two players for them to blatantly be onside, then it's not counted. And it's just it's a bit of a joke, as I said. And I've I've complained similar to you. I've been kicking off about it all week in different formats uh, on social media and to people that I've been speaking to. And the, there's a couple of big problems with it. The first one being the fact that VAR was brought in for the intention of clearing up clear and obvious decisions. And that's what annoys me the most about it, is that they've said, we're going to help with anything that is clear and obvious. If the referee makes a mistake and we see that it's clearly and obviously the opposite call to what he's given, then we will intervene. Where on earth did this stupid offside rule come in that we have to spend? If you have to spend three or four minutes matching up lines to see if it's offside or not by a quarter of an inch, it's not clear and obvious. So you shouldn't be jumping in and you shouldn't be disruling what the referee has already given. Secondly, there's been kickoffs about it all week. And obviously, if you're an Everton fan listening to this, they're automatically saying it's offside. If it's offside, it's offside. Deal with it. But the reality is, and you know what my thoughts and feelings are on the FA already, because I've already given in previous podcasts. But it's ridiculous that they are able to come out blatantly, and it would never happen in any other job, that they've come out and said, we're backing up the VAR official. It's fine what he's done. There's no problem with it. We're not taking any retrospective action. And then I've pulled him off VAR duty. He's been on VAR duty every single game since the start of the season. And they've pulled him off now. So they're blatantly showing us that what he has done is wrong and he's made a mistake, but they're not prepared to own up to it. It's just it's just been shocking. Like both decisions the same. Obviously, I we were messaging each other Jordan the week about it, and we'll get onto the Jordan Pickford moment in a minute. But obviously, it's, it's been all over the newspapers that, that he has come out, the VAR official, and has said that he didn't know he could send off a player. A referee that didn't know that he could advise to send off a player. Like, what is going on with the game? Well, I've got a little bit of time to compose my thoughts there. It's mad because <laughs> I've had all week to compose my thoughts. But I'm going to make three or four simple points here. Um, the first and the most simple point is, is that, okay, so without anger you look at it, it's not offside. All right. Yeah. He is off side potentially by like his arse cheek. If, yeah. if that, right? So that's the first thing. And, and that's that there is that all depends on like when you freeze the, the frame. Because what a lot of people don't realize when, we, and I am this sad that I look and says, it doesn't, it's not off, an offside isn't when they freeze the um, frame, it isn't by the line, it's by when the ball's played. Mm. And they could freeze that ball. They could freeze that frame. It only takes maybe oh, a couple of inches and the ball's already left his foot. But that couple of inches where the ball's already left his foot, it means he's onside. So that's yeah. the first point. And, and if you see the freeze frame, the ball's actually probably probably half a ball with a, from his foot. So you take that back. By, I know you're only talking fractions here and you know you could sit there all day debating it. But so, you know, first of all, that's, that's one point is that it's when the ball leaves his foot, not by the line. Mm. All right. Second of all, forget that. The line itself, there is no line. He's onside. Mm. It's it's clear and simple. Third of all, you're meant to give the advantage to the attacking team if it's in doubt. Yeah. Now, come on. 
right? That's the third thing. The fourth thing is this. I've, I've been a massive fan of VAR, and, it, it, you know, Liverpool, there's been a lot of people say Liverpool have been benefit of it. I like to think that Liverpool are just that good, that we get a lot of pens out of it, like, same like United do at the moment, because, we you know, we have great attacking players, and it's favoured Liverpool in times because we are just such an attacking team, and, you know, Liverpool might have four or five VAR decisions in a game, it's where the likes of Southamptons and even Chelsea's and you know Newcastle's and all these teams that like want to have a goal at Liverpool. They might only have two VR, VAR decisions in a game because they don't attack as much as Liverpool. So that's yeah. why Liverpool have had more decisions for them because we have, have so much attack and play and we've got the best one free in the world. Yeah. All right. So that's the third point. And the fourth point, and this is clear as day, since VAR's come out, that there is the worst decision bar none. And I don't think I haven't seen one United fan, I haven't seen one Everton fan, I haven't seen no one sit there and argue about it because they all know it was blatantly onside and yeah. it was a clear, a clear and perfect goal. There's not one person, and I will argue until I'm blue in the face, that goal is clearly onside. And Everton fans must be, I'm going to keep this clean, you know what I mean? But Everton fans must be, I'm not going to comment because if you're an Everton fan, and that point there, that point that they've gained, or two points that we've dropped even, you know, that two points to us this season because we've lost Van Dyke could be crucial. And the point that Everton have gained, you know, the way they've started could be crucial. And mm. it could be the difference in millions and millions of pounds. And I'm just, you know, I think you said, Danny, I think you said a good point when you when it's it's, it's the sport. It should be fair. And that game was not fair for Liverpool. Um, but yeah, sorry for ranting there. Um, the Pickford instance, let's see, should, should, should we try and talk about that and Van Dyke? I mean, first and foremost, Danny, I wouldn't say the best player in our team. I wouldn't say the best player in the Premier League. I would say the best player in the world consistently over the last two years we've lost it. Um, on and off the pitch, he's just... Liverpool, If I'm going to be bold here now. If Liverpool win a trophy this season, I'll be astonished. Because mm. I know we're a great team, but Virgil van Dijk is the catalyst of everything that's good about Liverpool, what's changed about Liverpool. Before Virgil van Dijk came to Liverpool, we were a top four team. Nothing more, mm. nothing less. We, we could have had a cup run because of, of the atmosphere at Anfield and stuff. But even on the Jürgen Klopp, before Virgil van Dijk came to Liverpool, and Alisson, but mainly van Dijk, we were a top four team that could potentially have a cup run. And, and we're back to that. And that's yeah. just my honest opinion. Without Virgil van Dijk, he's that important. So, um, yeah, well, obviously, what's your thoughts on Van Dijk being out this season? And then we'll go on to that little rat in a minute. <laughs> yeah, like I've, I've, I've said about it numerous times before, Virgil Van Dijk is just, he's absolute quality. And he's just, yeah, for me, he's the, he's the player that brings the calmness to the team. The, the Liverpool, obviously, even throughout the years, even you think back to, to Istanbul and you think back to Real Madrid, Champions League final, all the rest of it. There's those moments where people where the team gets nervous. And for me, he is the person that the whole team looks to. The, they look to him and see how calm he is and see how controlled he is. And it helps the team to settle and to build. He's a natural leader. And I think I've mentioned in previous podcasts that, that obviously Jordan Henderson's really, really stepped up over the last few years. But for me, Van Dyke should really be the captain just in the way that he leads that team on the pitch. Um so he's, he's just going to be, like, there's nothing else more to say other than the fact that he's going to be a giant loss. And we'll get on to Fabinho and the way that he played against Ajax and stuff. But for me, no one's ever going to replace Van Dijk. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, and as you said, I think we can do okay. 
and we can still play well. Uh, I think for me, Liverpool are still going to have a good chance at challenging uh, in terms of like challenging for the title, in terms of challenging for cups. Um, but like in terms of doing what we've done last season, four trophies, dominating the league, that's, that's just not going to happen when you lose a player of Van Dijk's calibre. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but for me, I just don't think that we're... He really is the best player. Like, it's the last player you'd want to lose. You'd lose any player apart from Van Dyke, you know what I mean? And that's just the truth. Yeah. And um, yeah. It, it's, it, it's, it's not relevant how it happened, but it almost gets to the point, like, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, well, you know, you can be angry. Nothing's going to happen about it. Like, the fact that you can't, like, the FA aren't going to have, you know, re- retrospective um, action, as, as, as they call it. Um, I mean, Danny, if we were in the street, I come up and did that to you, and you did that. Now we know footballers, are, you know the wages to run and stuff, and you know, Virgil Van Dijk. If he never kicked the football again, he's you know he's hit the height of his his, his profession, mm-hmm. you know, and he's an intelligent guy. So I think he'll always have a career in, in football. But I mean, if that happened in the streets, that isn't it's assault. And, uh, he, and- what, 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 what did he like? It, it, I just I can't. I've seen plenty of goalkeepers be rushing in, in my past. And I've, I've, seen, like, I've had pictures sent to me of Gerard doing it in the derby before and, and p- bad tackles and you know, these, these stories of Roy Keane back in the day and stuff. And like, We know people are physical. And to be honest with you, me and you are two old-fashioned scousers. You know, we, we, you know, we, 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 we and you have, have watched a generation of... We played Sunday League football when we were younger and tackles were flying in. And being from Liverpool... And being a bit of an edge to us, we like that. I think we've always, even I'm on attacking your defender, we like that aggression about the game. And we've watched it go from like the good old days where you could do that and you can't do nothing these days. So you look at Pickford and go, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you know, you, you wouldn't be as angry. But this day and age, and with VAR, it's like, it's, it's a joke. It's like, you know, you're laughing at these people. You have to laugh because if you don't laugh, you then the buttons of like from someone, and that's just the truth. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. But yeah. <laughs> it's a frustrating. You should be banned. You should be banned for five games. And, and I know this the whole rule, like you can't punish the the after effect. You, you have to punish the action. But, but what was he doing? He was nowhere near the ball. Mm. You know what, what was it? It's cut. If that was like a, a defender doing it or an attacker, it's because he's a goalkeeper. That he's got away with. It. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, it's as you said, it's just there's so many different issues in regards to this that is just so mental about it. As you said, we grew up like especially being a defender, playing in Liverpool League the way that the way that we did it over the years. Like you live for the fifty fifties. You live for that moment where the ball's a little bit loose and someone's running, you think, I'm gonna wipe this boy clean out and you enjoy those types of tackles. But there's but you also know that if you mistime them and if you do it badly there's going to be repercussions to it. And the, the, the it just baffles me. It just, I can't fathom it in my own mind how they can look at this incident, see that he is, he's made himself big. Jordan Pickford's tried to make himself big. That's what he's done. And keepers do it all the time. But again, you know that you're running the risk that if you dive out and make yourself big and don't get the ball and wipe a player out, you're giving away a penalty and potentially getting sent off. That's what happens. And he knows that. He's jumped out. He's made himself big, and I don't necessarily blame Jordan Pickford, um, although he's going to take the brunt of it. Um, I don't necessarily blame him for jumping out and 
diving in the way that he did. It's a derby that the passion's going. He also knows he's got an immense amount of pressure on him because of the way he's playing at the minute. But for me, you, you've got to know that the second you make that move, you're off, you're gone, and there's a penalty being given. How VAR can look at that and go, oh, it's offside, so anything that happened after that doesn't count. Does that mean, and this is the question that I've been posing all week, and anyone that's listening to this, I'd love to know your response to it. Does that mean that if I'm playing a game, say on a, on a Saturday or even up a Premier League level, not that I'm ever going to play there, but if you're playing a game at the top level, if you're running... If you're a defender, say if you're a centre-back, you're running and the ball's been played through and suddenly the offside flag goes up for offside, can I just boot the guy next to me? Am I allowed to just boot him in the legs and it, and it doesn't matter because he's offside, so it doesn't matter. So I'm allowed to just give a free kick to anyone on the pitch and just, if I'm playing against Troy Deeney or Bamiyang or someone that's really, really going to put pressure on you, can I just boot the shins off him if he gets offside because it doesn't really matter? It, is, that what, is that what it's come to you now? Well, this is what it is, Danny, and I actually disagree with you. I don't think that Pickford's, you know, I actually, I think he's gone in because it's Van Dyke to leave his mark. And I think it's, it's, I think it's clear and obvious that all the, like, the media pressure that's been on him and all this and that, he's seen it as an opportunity just to get him. And I, I believe that Jordan Pickford's gone in. Not, not, to, not to put him out for the season, but I believe he's gone in because he knows he can because he's a goalkeeper. And nice. this is where... It's another, as you say, there's so many different angles to this. So you, you, you've got the, you've got the foul itself. You've got why he didn't do nothing after it's been offside. You've got the fact that like the goalkeepers get away with stuff. Do you know what I mean? And I've yeah. been clattered by goalkeepers. We, 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 we mentioned a couple of times, you know, growing up on like lower league football and challenges allowed. I've been clattered by some goalkeepers. You know, I really have. And it, you know, I wouldn't want that taken away from the game because you know goalkeepers get clattered too. And I'm sure Pickford's gonna get you know. I'm sure he'll see his day and he'll get it back. But I, believe, I genuinely believe he hasn't gone in for the ball. I believe he's gone in to you know just to show his presence. And it's kind of just, it's, it's been a bad, it's not Van, Van, Van Dyke's the type of player that's not going to back out and he's just come off the worst. But I don't believe that Pickford's gone in just to like kind of get the ball. He's, he's gone in to, to, to show he's there. And because he's a goalkeeper, he's got away with it. And that's, it's, it's that simple. And this the other side to it is that like he can't send him tomorrow. Well, there was a boy sent off, I think it was Rhys James for England after the final whistle. Yeah. I'll use another analogy. So does that mean if it's a throw-in, yeah, I can just kick you? You know, we're in a football pitch, it goes out for throwing. I'll just boot you and then nothing happens because the ball's out of play. Where do you draw the line with this? Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's only because I think they were checking the offside. I think what's happened, they've checked the VAR offside and they were that focused on the offside that they haven't looked at the after. Yeah. And this is the problem with VAR. It's come in to help the game. And in moments like that, it's, it, it's really as strong us. And it's like, okay, so no one knows what's going to happen to Van Dyke after that challenge, but Evan are down to 10 men and we probably walk the game. Mm. So it's, it, it all depends at the end. If, we, if we're at the end of the season, we lose the league by a couple of points or Everton, you know, qualify for Europe by a point. Yeah. It's, but then a tiny, tiny little ounce of me, Danny tiny tiny little around to me is sitting there thinking like isn't this what football's about the debate the arguments the do you know what I mean and this is why so I've spoke to some people hate hate VAR but I still I still would have it it just needs it just needs assessing and I don't care if it takes 10 minutes to get the right decision you know get the right decision 
Yeah, it needs it needs a total overhaul and review, as you said. The whole thing with that Pickford um, debate is the fact that is the fact that VAR have got a process is that they need to check three different areas. So they need to check like was it offside? And he's looked and he's gone right. It's offside, so it's offside. And they haven't gone That's through it. the process. They haven't done the normal thing of going right. Well, what about the next bit? Like was that a foul? They've just gone, oh, it's offside, so just play it on. And they know they know they've made a mistake and they're digging themselves a massive hole by saying, oh, well, it's it's after the play, so it doesn't matter. Like, they know, as you said, there's been so many different issues that have arisen, like, after the whistle and, like, outside of play and, and a half-time. It was, it was a Jamie Vardy a few weeks ago um, got yellow-carded, like, halfway down the tunnel. Like it's like yes, a referee can intervene whenever he wants if he sees dangerous play or um someone bad mouthing them and different things like this. You're allowed to intervene, so don't turn around and say he can't intervene because it's after the play because he can, and they have in the past, and I think they've dug themselves a huge controversial hole. Like. Let's just put a word out there for Virgil Van Dijk. He's a 29 years of age. He's the best defender on the planet at this moment. We're not talking top five. We're not talking top ten. He's the undisputed best defender in this world at the moment. Mm. He's just won the Premier League. He's just won the Champions League. He's Dutch captain. He's in the prime of his life. And he's had, what, probably six months of his career robbed of him Mm. by a bog-standard average goalkeeper with an ego. Yeah. And that's what we're looking at there. You know, and okay, these things happen in football. And a few people have said, I don't think Jordan Pickford's gone out to injure him. And only he knows the answer to that. But I mean, it was unnecessary, in my opinion. I don't think he needs to be there. I don't think he was anywhere near the ball. And um, speaking for someone that's taken similar challenges on a football pitch, he knows exactly what he's doing. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I. If I seen him, I'd probably say something, and that's just a God's honest truth. And it's only football, but I mean, for me, if me and you're on a football pitch, Danny, and, and one of us did that to you, and you got to watch it on the replay, you know, could you forgive the person? Because it's just, it's it's common assault, and it's just gum. I'm sorry. I'm really, I'm, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved in the politics of like, well, because it's on a football field or not, but it's just, there's just no need for that. And uh, yeah, I'm an angry Liverpool fan. It feels aggrieved, but I mean, who wouldn't if that was the way around, you know? Yeah, and and just in the in the case of non, just so people don't think that we're being biased. Obviously, we are biased with massive Liverpool fans, but just to, to put it on the other side of it as well, which I totally understand. You're looking 88, 89th minute of that game, um, just be just as Thiago got injured, um, Sadio Mane booted one of their centre backs as well, and he should probably got a red for that. Um, a bit of retrospective action. He got knocked over. The defender came back and he just booted him in the shins. Um, again, VAR didn't pick that up, didn't do nothing about it um, because they were looking at the particular incident with Thiago. Um, so there was a lot of mistakes made in that game. But as you said, it, it sometimes becomes more than that. I think because footballers are paid a lot of money, people sort of don't treat them like humans. But as you yep, said, we play, we play even at a basic level on a like we play Monday night, Tuesday night, whatever. Um, there's there's got to be a line in which you you think to yourself, yes, it is football, and yes, injuries are going to happen. But there's a difference between two people colliding and an injury happen, and somebody actually ruining someone's livelihood. 
and and that's what he's done because as we know, a cruciate ligament injury is not something that you just get over and things go back to normal. It's it's ruined people's careers. He's he's got a he's got a European Championship coming up next summer that that, that then puts in doubt. Obviously, it massively affects the Liverpool squad and the dynamic of what we do. Um, it's it's not it's not a decent challenge, and it's something that Pickford unfortunately has been renowned for this season. Is just rash, harsh challenges and rash, harsh decisions. Um, that is the reason why he's he's getting so much scrutiny about him. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we could sit here all day, Danny. I think the point is we're angry. It was it's unjust what's happened since with the FA. And you know you, you, your man kind of being brought out the firing line as such. Um, it just proves everything. You know, it's like it's like a child when they do something wrong, and you catch them out, and they, you know and they know, but nothing gets said, and you don't do it again because you know you've caught them out. But like it never gets discussed about, and that's what it's like with the FA. They just kind of sweep it under the carpet, and you know it'd be good if they could open and honest and say, "Listen, it was a mistake. Yeah. He's sorry. He's, he's, we're going to learn from it. We're going to use it as an example." I'm, I'm, and people get clarity with that, you know, but it's just one of those things. And it is only football, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, as you said, it's a massive line between getting injured in a challenge that's legitimate and honest and, you know, and both players going for it and someone just kind of going out to boot someone. And that that was it. And then when you add the fact of, you know, uh, Richarlison's, you know, on Thiago, and I think Thiago's our man of the match. And let's actually talk about the game for a minute because... I thought Liverpool got the better of it. I thought Everton were nitty and they were gritty and they got stuck in and their two goals were good. And, you know, I I, I remember I had a friend round and we were watching it and when Jordan Henderson scored that goal, we were running around mad. And I was just like, I had I had the, the, the Facebook status for Captain Fantastic and all this and that. <laughs> and it, it just robbed us of like, anyway, I don't want to moan, but the game itself, we should have won. Um, good to see Manny back, you know, that early goal. Great. Andrew Robinson was on fire. Um, Thiago proved why we paid that money for him. Not just, not you know, he played against ten men against Chelsea, and uh, you know, people didn't really give him the credit because it was against ten men. But he just proved against Everton. He just everything. Like he, he put that ball through to the money, you know. And yeah, it was a it was a good game. Um, I think we do miss Allison as well. Adrian's just not. They got like the the goal. Michael Keane. It went through him. I thought he should, he flapped at that. I thought, I thought he should have saved it really. Mm. Um, but sure am I. You know, I'm 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 a I'm a 29 year old overweight bloody you know amateur striker. Who am I to tell Adrian whether he should save it or not? Do you know what I mean? But my point is, is that he should have. <laughs> to be honest, you know. <laughs> and and yeah, the game itself was a it was a it was a sort of derby, and I predicted a draw. Yeah, and. Uh, oh, I was wrong in my prediction because we actually won 3-2, but sure, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be probably the only point in which we'd differ is that I think all decisions aside, like because really like Everton should have been down to 10 men from really early on uh, as a different keeper and all the rest of it. But I think lo- all those decisions aside, looking at the game, I-, I don't think really either team deserved to lose. I think in the way that they played, they, they both played really good football. Lord Everton, as you said, were gritty. They really broke down our play. And when they attacked, they looked really threatening. Uh, and they played well. Um, but as you said, Liverpool dominated as well. And even, as you said, losing a striker, losing a, a centre-back so early on, um, I think other players really came to the fore and really shone. Uh, and yeah, that, as you said, apart from the fact that it was so-called offside, that, that no-look pass from Thiago to Mane was just... 
incredible. And if we can see more of that this season, coming in early on and producing passes like that and play like he's done throughout that game, um, I think we've got a lot to be excited about. 100%, which kind of brings us on to Ajax. Um, I think uh, we're going to discuss it a bit more here, but Ajax, so there's a way in Ajax, we discussed how much it was a tricky game. They've got good players, like see Tadic's and Blinds and, you know, they're a good, 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 good outfit, a good, well-known European outfit. And obviously, all the talk was about Van Dijk and Alisson being out and Fabinho coming into centre-back. And um, I think, first of all, I'd like to say, what a response. And to be honest with you, I expect nothing less from a Jürgen Klopp team. Mm. Um, we have to, we, we very rarely discuss Jürgen Klopp because the team are so, so good. But you can't forget where we were before Jürgen Klopp come in, you know? And um, you know, we go back to that time where like we we we, we cheered to the cop in front of West Brom and people yeah. were laughing at us, you know. But he was installing a mentality. Hmm. And you know what I mean? He, much changed team coming in against Ajax and then big changes as well, which we'll discuss. But um I mean Danny Fabinho coming centre back alongside Gomez. Milner come in the midfield. We found, later found out that Klopp was told that Henderson couldn't last on 90 minutes. So Curtis Jones got his Champions League debut. Mm. Um, I mean, what's your initial thoughts on the Ajax game? I mean, great performance and a clean sheet and a win. So first and foremost, I'm obviously happy, but you know, break down the game for me a little bit. Yeah, I think first of all, just on that point that you said there, I think that's one of the things I think that makes Jürgen Klopp so great is the fact that we don't necessarily talk about him because I think we've said it in a previous podcast, he's he's just instilled this philosophy that it doesn't necessarily matter who he's playing, who he's putting on that pitch, who that starting eleven is. You know what the style of play is going to be like and you know what to expect out of a Liverpool team now, which is just day and night from what it was six, seven years ago. Um and he's just he's worked away on that and he's cracked away on it. And I think we're not gonna really truly appreciate what Jurgen Klopp has done to the whole Liverpool philosophy until after he's finished. It's gonna be like those the big great Liverpool managers of, of old that we're gonna look back on what he has done and what is he has instilled <laughs> and we'll go like that guy was I agree. special. So so he's he's just he's quality. But in terms of the game, I thought it was a it was a game we really had to dig in, uh, I think is the honest way. It was, first half, first half was amazing. Like, the way that we played, the intensity that we played, the passes that we were playing, like, really direct. Mane, obviously, quality as always, and I'm going to always be singing his praises. Um, obviously, his, his shot was awful, but it got a goal out of it. But apart from that, I thought we deserved to be ahead. We deserved to be ahead at halftime with the way that we were playing. Second half, the tempo went down. We, we took our entire front three off and I think Klopp knew with the injuries that we've got at the minute, with, with Thiago out and Van Dijk out and Henderson not able to last, Adrian still in goal and all the rest of it. Klopp knew he had to be smart with the games that are coming up because obviously we're, we're playing again this weekend, we're playing Champions League again um, next week. And I think he knew he had to be smart in the way that he used his players. But the fact that we were able to... And, we, and we said, we've said this before, we said this, I think, right at the beginning of our when we started this podcast is that Liverpool have always lacked the ability to be able to just dig in and hold a 1-0 is that you always knew with Liverpool when you watch them play if we were 1-0 there was always that nervousness of oh we're going to concede we're going to concede we need to have two three four goals to be comfortable now that's not necessarily the case to be able to put Curtis Jones in midfield to be able to have our 
defensive midfielder playing centre-back and to be able to just dig in and hold a 1-0 for as long as we did, I think just shows the determination that this team has got and, and how much they've got that mentality that they can't be beaten. And how good was Fabinho at centre-back? I mean, I think I've seen him play two or three times at centre-back and he's been the best player in the pitch. I mean, he just played unbelievable, didn't he? It's, it's just his quality, isn't he? I know we alluded to it in the Chelsea game about how solid he was and I said about like how him and Van Dijk could play and like I honestly think like he would be in with a shout and I think he's gonna be he's gonna have to prove it this season that he can consistently play there. But I don't see any reason why he can't do uh, a Mascherano when he went to Barcelona and just transition into that centre back role and be solid there. And could you imagine like if Fabino consistently plays the way that he has played against Chelsea and against Ajax, if he can do that and bring Van Dijk in next to him, how unbeatable would that back four look? And I, like, I love Gomez. I think he's a great player and I really, really like the way that he plays. And I've always sang Gomez's praises. But like Fabinho, he just he gives you that almost that calmness that Van Dijk brings that you can ju- you just think to yourself, nothing's beating this guy. Yeah, he's like Fabinho's like a sexy defender, isn't he? He kind of <laughs> like he just makes it look like he just makes it look simple sometimes. And mm. you know, when when he needs to stick a toe in, it's always bloody there, isn't it? It's like, he just gets it right. And it's interesting because, you know, I won't go too deep into this, but you basically what happened was you had the, the rumours of one Alden going to Barcelona. And you were sitting there thinking, right, okay, so our, our free midfield this season is more than likely, you know, our, our strongest free midfield is going to be Fabinho, Henderson and Thiago. Mm. So it opens up a bit of a debate because, you know, your Bezzy went to Zenit, Zenit St. Petersburg there. And did you see the scream he scored, actually? <laughs> and so Lov- but basically Lovren went, which opened up a debate, should we get someone else in? And Klopp was quite happy to have, you know, Gomez, Matip, Van Dijk and Fabinho's cover. Mm. But obviously now the Van Dijk's out, it opens up the debate. But when Ireland was rumoured to go to Barcelona, so if you take Fabinho out of the midfield role, which he's done brilliantly, it kind of leaves a gap in midfield. And obviously Jones come in the other day and he's, he's an up-and-coming prospect. Milner, still life in the old dog, yeah. He run more than any other player on the pitch. And he, you know, yeah. he, he, he put a shift in. He put a real shift in. But my me, me point is, is if you if you consider Fabinho now just a centre-back, along with Matip and Gomez, and then obviously you can't take away young Reese Williams coming on and making his debut. Yeah. I think he's like a mini Van Dijk. There's so many discussion points. But my point is, now that you've got Fabinho into centre-back, you've got one Alden, Henderson, Milner, Jones, and Thiago. You've kind of because Thiago's coming and he's kind of taking that place. With Fabino dropping in, it kind of evens things out a little bit as well. Does that make sense? It's kind of there's there's room for rotation. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it helps to utilize the entire squad a little bit better. Um, I think the only issue is like Thiago is fantastic and the way that he plays is amazing. The only thing, and it's hard to judge him on it because he's only played two games. But one of the things that we will lose moving Fabinho into centre-back is that Fabinho almost plays that like Patrick Vieira of old type of role, is that he holds the ball well, he plays it well. But you know when you're in those nitty-gritty games that, that we're going to have throughout the season against teams, we, we've seen it in the first game against Leeds and stuff like that, you need someone that's going to stick a boot in and really sort of be a powerful presence in that midfield. Up to now, I... I haven't seen that. The, the team that we've got, like as you said, our strongest midfield now is probably Thiago Henderson Wijnaldum sitting there in the, that midfield. Um, none of them, probably bar Henderson, none of them really scream to me power. 
Their, their precision, their, their passing's amazing. Flair is really good. They dominate possession. They're really calm under pressure. But you, you don't think automatically of any of those three. That boy will stick a boot in if he needs to. Um, so I think we lose that a little bit with Fabinho. But at the same time, if we've got it at centre-back, is it really a problem? Well, that's another thing. Is you could argue if you've got Matip and Gomez, you could still play Fabinho in that role. But obviously, Matip struggles with injuries. And it's a shame because he seems to be in for three games, but out for two and in for five and out for six. And it's hard because I don't think Matip has really put a foot wrong for Liverpool. He's a, he's a solid enough player, like, you know. Um, I don't think I he's mean, able to. I think if he moves his feet too much, they, they just break off his legs, don't they? Or he can't last <laughs> 20 minutes on a pitch. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like a Daniel Agra of old, you know, but obviously Agra had quality. But um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's just hard to know what to um, what to make of what, what Klopp will do. But at the end of the day, he sees them every day. Um, big shout out to Reese Williams making his debut in that match. You know, mm-hmm. um, imagine he was playing, I think there was a statistic. He was, he was playing like um, in March. He was playing like against King House Formley in front of like three hundred people in like for Kidderminster Harriers, and he's just made his Champions League debut against Ajax. I mean, fair play, you know. It, it, that's 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 another beautiful thing that you forget about football is that you know there's a wee young nineteen year old fella that's made his Champions League debut, and how many? I hope he, he makes it. He makes a great creative one. I hope he's one of our best ever players. You know, but. How many players have you seen in the past? You know, they'll end up working it down the leagues and they'll end up at like a championship team or a League One team. But they've always got that moment that he played in the Champions League for like a Liverpool or a United or a Chelsea. And you could just see in his face he was buzzing. And he actually came on and did all right for the last four minutes, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, is it is it there's a real balance, isn't there? Is it is he gonna end up like a, a Trent Alexander Arnold or is he gonna end up a, a John Joe Shelby and a Jay Spear and who, who have that moment, but yet generally end up dropping down. Um, but I think, again, as, you, as we said before, I think there's no better time to be coming through as a youngster in Liverpool than now, when when you have got a manager that, that is prepared to give you the chance and is prepared to bring you on in a 1-0. Like, I don't think, we, like, I don't think we, we really fathom that quite as much, is that it was, a, it was 1-0 against Ajax, in a game that really we needed to win because the other two games are going to be a little bit easier, but we need to get those points against Ajax. It was a game that we needed to win and he had enough trust to bring on a lad in his Champions League debut who's only played in the League Cup um, and to bring him on with enough trust. That's got to instill so much confidence in you as a young lad that you can think, if he's prepared to do that and bring me on, he must see something in me and I, I need to bring myself up to that potential. Um, so it was. It was lovely. To, it was good to see him on. I hope he does really, really well. Um, I liked him when he played in the cup a few a few weeks back. He played really, really well. Um, so I'm hoping he can push on and and do good. And I don't know what's more weird about that stat is the fact that he was playing like Division Four last season in, in like a small stadium, and now he was playing against Ajax in the Champions League. But yet that Division Four game that he played in, there was actually more people there than what there was in the Champions League, which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one, but you know you can't take that moment away from him. But I, I mean, one one kind of note I'll add to what you've just said is that Jurgen Klopp doesn't hand pain himself for the crack. You know, he really is that if he's come on for the last four or five minutes, you know, for Liverpool Football Club at centre half, and he went to a three and put him in the middle. Yeah, it's because he warrants it and deserves it, and he's proved it over the years. You know, and see, so we can't sit there and claim to be these experts on them because we're not. But it's great to see and. Uh, you know, one quick note before we kind of move on. I mean, Adrian, he didn't have a lot to do, but what he did, he did it right. 
Yeah, I felt to a certain degree he actually kept us in the game with some of his saves. Uh, I think it was a big sort of big difference from the derby. Uh, the derby looked shaky, looked nervous, but I thought Champions League, he looked confident. As you said, he didn't have too much to do. Um, but what he did have to do, he'd done it well. Um, so I can't complain. I think you've got to give credit where it's due. Same as when I give Lovren credit every now and again. Um, he's, he's done well. <laughs> he played well. Can't, can't complain about him. Like. Well, that's it. And then, uh, well, yeah, so great start to the group. Um, 1-0, clean sheet, and, and that was perfect. Um, but anyway, folks, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to discuss uh, the up-and-coming fixtures against Sheffield United and Michelin of the... Is it Danish League? Danny, Danish League, yeah. The Danish League. Um, me and you are experts in the Danish League, so we'll, we'll go in-depth into that one. <laughs> but in the meantime, thank you for listening to Amu and Danny's Irish Sheffield Road. Right, everyone, welcome back to Amo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Right, now, again, it's been a very controversial episode, this, and it doesn't stop just with that derby. Um, on Saturday, we play Liverpool vs Sheffield United, 8 o'clock kickoff, Saturday night. Now, the other controversial point, which is worth talking about before we get into the game and look at how Liverpool's going to get on, is that there has been this whole new system, I think, because of the fact of lockdown, because of the fact of not being able to have fans at the stadium and all the rest of it, the, the Sky have now introduced a box office system in which having Sky Sports, having BT Sport isn't good enough anymore. We now need to pay extra to watch different games. Obviously, United done it last week, Liverpool are on box office this week. What, what do you make of this change in the footballing schedule? Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> I feel if you if you was, you would have by now. <laughs> it's a f- joke. Excuse my French. Um, just a joke. Like there's so there's, there's people out there on eighty percent pay, sixty percent pay. There's people out there lost work. The money in football is scandalous, mm. and it's slowly turning the everyday man. You know, see, 10, 15 years ago. You would never hear anyone complain about money in football, really. But see these, you get the, it's moment. I, I can see another 10, 15 years time, people just generally turning against football and being like cricket fans or something, I don't know, because of the money. As I say, you, we literally just discussed off air there about us both paying Sky Sports and BT every month. And um, that's that, you know, it's not cheap. You know, you're 50, 60 pounds a month or whatever it is to most you know, households, you know, that's, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, um, to then charge an extra fifteen pound for, you know, an, another match. It's just it's first of all, there's gonna be people getting you know downloading it illegally. Um, me personally, I'll probably listen to it and then watch the highlights, and that's the truth. Mm. Um, I if I was in a situation where you were allowed to mix households, you could potentially go three ways and get your mates around and all pay far each. But then I know how much of a little fun I am. Maybe ten minutes before the match, if I'm in the mood, I might I might just take a last-minute decision and pay it, but I really don't want to, and I don't think I should, and I don't think anyone should, and I think we should all boycott it. Um, what's your opinion? Yeah, like, I'm a massive Liverpool fan, and as you said, it's already it's already fragmented enough as it is. As you said, I, I pay for BT Sport. I pay for Sky Sports this season um, on, through Now TV. I have Amazon Prime for the games that are on Amazon Prime now, because Amazon Prime have bought the rights this season. They're talking about Netflix starting to have them from next season as well, having sort of pay-per-view games on and different things like this. Um, there's all these different 
assets and facets of the way the football is going now because of the money that's in it. Um, and that's totally understandable. But in, but in the time that we are living in, as you said, with so many people losing their jobs, you, you've got Liverpool as a city is in like tier three of lockdown and workplaces are, are having to lay off staff left, right and centre. And, and they're about to introduce a pay-per-view system in, in which we pay £15. Generally, as you said, we are football fans, which which in the bigger picture means that we're into sport. And I don't know about you, but I also will, will at least normally twice a year end up paying pay-per-view to watch the boxing and different things like that because I'm really into the boxing and different sports like this. So it's not just a case of, oh, I watch football and that's it. I'm big into many, many different sports where you do end up having to pay extra money for these different things. And, and I will say that I'm a huge Liverpool fan but I will not be watching that game on Saturday because I'm not prepared to pay the money um, because of the money that I already pay out to all of these different uh, companies to, to watch the football and, and and to introduce another thing like that in a time like this. I just I just don't think it's right. Um, so I know I, I know I won't be watching it at all apart from match of the day. I think a fiver maybe if they really want to, if they're trying to cut, cut the shortcuts so of like fans not being in stadium and stuff, a fiver maybe, you know, you could moan and groan about the butter fiver, you know, it's mm-hmm. the price of a pint in Belfast, you know. Yeah. We've both been in and around Belfast and that's what you pay for a pint these days. So a fiver maybe. But fifteen quid for Liverpool versus Sheffield United. I'm sorry. Like there was a game last week, wasn't there? I think it was Fulham versus was it Fulham versus Brighton or Fulham versus West Brom. I can't remember what game it was. But no, sorry, it was Burnley versus West Brom. You know, uh, yeah. you know. I'm sure it was a thrill encounter. I didn't see it, but it finished nil-nil. And people had to pay, you know. I imagine having to pay for a nil-nil. Like, it's just nah. So, um, I think, personally, I think everyone should boycott it. Mm. Um, and I think if enough fans got behind it, it would just go. And uh, when you look at the this transfer window, clubs, you know, crying, they've got no money, but they're still paying the money that they're paying. Yeah, you know what I mean. We could go into this European Super League and all, but I know we're actually meant to be discussing Sheffield United. But I initially we should boycott it. I'm not going to pay it. Um, if I can get the game on a link, I will. Um, or if someone turns around and says, "Well, we'll go three ways and pay it," or something like that, potentially. But I'm not paying fifteen pounds to watch Liverpool whenever I pay all this money for BT Sports and Sky Sports, and I'm the same. I even have Amazon Prime as well because we played a derby last year and I joined it like the day before. Yeah, and I've had it ever since, and it's just like they're just blood sucking money off the everyday average man, and it it's going to turn people against football, and um, it's it's just wrong, it's just wrong on every single level, and I mean, nah, sorry, yeah. No, I totally agree. And as you said, I think it doesn't work in their favour that up to now they've had three games on box office. There's been a nil nil. You had Leicester v Aston Villa last week was on box office. Ross Barkley scored in the 91st minute. And apart from that, it was an absolute dull fest of a game. Um, so it's not going in their favour that the games that are on box office up to now have been absolutely abysmal. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it gets on and we'll see what the backlash of it's going to be. But as you said, we're going to play Sheffield. Sheffield up to now drew one game, lost four. Not having a great start to the season up to now and they're going to come... Uh, and try and play Liverpool. What what do you think? What do you think we're going to line up? What how do you think we're going to line up? Seeing the way we varied against Ajax, are we going to play our strongest team? Do you think he's going to mix it up a little bit again? Like how do you think we're going to line up for it? 
I think it's going to be the same team, probably Barden Jones, Henderson in for Jones. Um, I think the front three coming off against Ajax in the 60th minute was telling. I think that's the Jürgen Klopp saying, well, they haven't had a full pre-season, the game's coming thick and fast. You know, we've got three games in the next seven, eight days. So, yeah, I think you'll go full strength. I think we'll beat them comfortably. Um, but there's just something about the fixture, about the team that played great last season, they've underperformed this season. The champions are coming. You know, so it is out on field. So I think that battle's good for us. But they're having the champions, they've got nothing to lose. There's something about a game like that where you just wouldn't all be that shocked if Sheffield United just frustrated the life out of us and they're capable of it because they did mm-hmm. it last season. Um, but in saying that, I don't see the big threats. You know, you've got McGoldrick up front, um, Norwood midfield, who's, you know, he's, he's a good baller. But again, it's one, it's one of those situations, isn't it? If Salah doesn't turn up, Manny will. If Manny doesn't turn up, Firmino will. You know what I mean? And if they don't turn up, you've got Chotty, you've got Minamino, you've got Origi, you know what I mean? You've got Chikiri, you know, someone will turn up. And yeah. uh, I think it'll be a comfortable day. Um, interesting to see if, if he plays for Bino and Gomez, cause, you know, whether Matt keeps back in. Interesting to see if he changes the midfield, but I don't think really he really can. I think Milner put a shift in, so he'll probably be on the bench. Um, the only reason Henderson doesn't start was because of a medical device against Ajax, so I think he'll start. Um but it's just one of those games where the minutes go on. If you're not winning after 20 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, it's 70 minutes. There's a team that you can get a free kick and we're adding and goal at the moment. I'm just not feeling that confident. You've done all right against Ajax, but I think the biggest thing in this game for me would be it'd be brilliant if we got a win in a clean sheet. Um, I'm going to go for... I'm going to be optimistic because I was a bit negative last game. I'm going to go for a 2-0 victory to Liverpool. Interesting enough. The only other, I suppose, talking point of the game outside of the lineups and all the rest of it is the fact that Rian Brewster could play against us after a sound yeah. to Sheffield United in the transfer window. Um, what do you what do you think? Do you think Rian Brewster will play? Do you think he's going to be out to try and prove a point? Um, or do you, do you think because he hasn't actually started a game for Sheffield United yet? Um, but the the managers obviously alluded to the fact that he may start him against Liverpool to try and let him go out there and prove why um, they were we were wrong to sell him. Um, do you think he could be a threat for them? Like? Yeah, I mean, yes, he's, he's, he, he, he reams quality booster, and um, he definitely will be a threat. And I'm sure he'll be buzzing not to see Van Dijk. But um, yeah, I, I don't see anything else really in the team that's that's going to worry me. You know what I mean? If we can't handle one player, uh, you know, you're worried. So, yeah, he, he's liable to have a couple of chances and get a goal and he'll have something to prove. But the, buyer, the buyback is there for reasons. So, I don't think... Um, I don't think he really needs to prove that much effect in the game. I'm, I'm confident enough in a 2-0 and go out of the way. Um, and that's it, really. I mean, Sheffield United, they're, they're like a Bolton of old. They're, they're, I know they're going to be dogged. I know they're going to be... They're not going to try and play it off the park. They're going to time waste and probably probably happy that we're not, I'm not going to watch it myself. You know what I mean? It's one of them where you just want to see, you know... Again, they wanted the front three will turn up and that's just true. Maybe Firmino because he hasn't, he's been a bit quiet this season. Um, and he's been getting a bit of unfair criticism, I think, because... His, his link-up play has still been great and he still reams quality. You know what I mean? I just think maybe if he was just a, maybe 10% more selfish, he'd get less stiff. But um, one, one of the front three will turn up, if not two of them, if not three of them, and we should win the game comfortably. 
Um, and that's that's as much as I can say. Um, but I do like the fact of what they've done last season, and I respect it, and I'm not going to take them lightly. But no, Jurgen Klopp, I don't think. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I think it'll be comfortable enough against them. I think we can get one against Sheffield United, and then they're going to try and come out and try and attack. I'm I'm going to go three one. I, I think it might be three one. I think we might be trying to get a few goals in there. I think Mane and Salah are both going to be on fire. Um, and I think we'll get enough space across their midfield. Generally, they play with five at the back, which means they're three on three in, in midfield. And I think with the way that we pass and move, I think we'll dominate the midfield, um, especially if Thiago is playing again, if he's back from injury. If not, uh, I think Henderson and Wijnaldum and all will do a good enough job. And uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll dominate the midfield, play some passes through, and I think we'll we'll tear them apart. I'm going to say 3-1. Uh, only for the benefit of Sheffield United that I think we might get a, a cheeky goal back just from a corner or uh, a cross coming in because Adrian generally hasn't been all that good at defending crossfield balls at the minute. Um, so I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say 3-1. We'll, we'll go for that. 100 percent well, there you go. So hopefully, and I mean, with the way the Premier League is this season, you know, I think it's going to be one of the most open Premier Leagues in times gone by. Liverpool aren't going to walk away with this year. Certainly not with Van Dijk. You know, Man City haven't had a great start, but they're still quality. You know, United have improved. You've got Chelsea, who've improved. You've got Arsenal, who've definitely improved. And then, you know, I was going to say Spurs then, but nah, it's still Spurs, no matter who the manager is. So <laughs> let's say that, you know, We've mentioned those other teams. Um, but yeah, and then Tuesday night, so Saturday evening, straight into Tuesday night. It's probably good that we're on field. On field so we don't have to do a lot of travelling. Works out well. We've got Michelin in the Champions League. Um, I joked that we were, we were Danish football experts. The truth is, I haven't a clue about them, you know. Um, but I just know we should beat them, you know. Um, they're a team... That I know they've been kind of floating around the European football for quite a few years. I've seen to think they played United a few years ago, and I think United beat them like 1 0 or something. So they're, they're obviously going to stick men behind the ball. But it's, again, you've got 11 boys going to Anfield, no fans, obviously, but it's the biggest game of their life. So again, it's like these teams have got nothing to lose against Liverpool, and it's so hard to, and we've done it for three years now, it's so hard to consistently get up and beat these boys. But um be interesting to see the team selection. How do you think? Do you think if we get comfortable against Sheffield United, make, Klopp will make changes um, and then think about Michelin, or do you think it's just one game at a time? How, how do you see the Michelin game going, depending on how the Sheffield United game goes? I think Klopp is, for me, just at the start of the season and looking at it, I think Klopp is far more focused on other things than the Champions League group stage at the minute. I think that he thinks to himself, he knows that no game is easy, but I think he thinks to himself that if any game is going to be, then this game is going to be. Um, Michelin have got literally no one that we have ever heard of playing in their lineup, unless you have like researched it to death. Um, they've got no one that we ever know. I, I literally Googled them um, trying to find out any information about it. And the best player they've... The, the most famous player they've had ever play for them is Winston Reid, who is at West Ham at the minute. He's on loan in the MLS. And he's like the most <laughs> famous player they've ever had for them. So I think if there's going to be an easy game, this is going to be an easy game. I, I think Klopp will play his strongest lineup against Sheffield United. And then I think he'll be similar to Ajax. I think he'll make changes. I think Curtis Jones will get another start. I think Geary's on his way back from injury there and got minutes the other day. And I think... He will maybe start again um, against Michelin as well. 
And I think it's a good chance for him to rotate the team. As we've said before, in seasons gone by, you would turn around and go, oh, no, we're playing a weakened team against them. But I think with the philosophy we've got in place at the minute and the way that we play, we've seen the way we play against Ajax. And I wouldn't be all that fussed. I wouldn't be all that bothered if we played Minamino and Origi and Jota up front and brought in Curtis Jones in midfield uh, along with different players. And I think it like, brought Milner back playing again and stuff like that. I generally think we'll be all right. And would I, you start Reese Williams? Would you give him a chance? I don't know. I think he's still quite early on. And I, I think he's the type of player for a little while that, that if it was me, I, I would keep bringing him on. So I would maybe play Michelin, play the first half, see how we're getting on, and then swap them for, for either Fabino or Gomez but I would start Fabino and Gomez at centre-back see how they're playing and if we're suddenly 2-3-0 up bring him on while he's full of confidence and let him play alongside Fabino, who he knows that if he makes a mistake Fabino's got him covered um, and let him learn that way rather than putting him into a situation where if he makes a mistake there's suddenly so much pressure because he's playing in the team that is the favourite so if, if he suddenly makes a mistake it's like Liverpool have suffered this huge defeat that's going to be all over the papers and he's going to be the cause of it. So I think you could, for me, I, w- I would bring him on rather than start him. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I think we can comfortably say we're not Danish football experts, but I'm <laughs> going to go very confidently. I'm going to go 5-1 to Liverpool. What about yourself? I, I think it's going to be another dig in. I'm going to go 2-0. I reckon we'll, we'll, get a, we'll get a goal, we'll dig in, and then we'll get a, a counter-attack goal towards the end of the game. Ah, well, there you go. So that brings us to an end of another episode. It's been interesting, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that I maybe only swore twice. <laughs> um, hopefully this time next week when we, when we chat, Danny, we can... Um, <laughs> we can have a lot less things to complain about. And I, I know... Um, We'll keep it on 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 the, on the down low now, but we'll partner up next week with a sponsorship. Mm. So um, and, a, and a sponsor. So we'll um, we've, we've exciting news to come out next week. But in the meantime, thank you so 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 much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. You'll never walk alone. Podcast Network.